the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is God loves everyone. He loves each and every person. And he loves us so much and desires our salvation so much that in his love he gave us this internal voice, conscience. He knew that we could argue all day long with external voices, people next to us, but he knew that if we had a voice that was inside of us, be much harder to argue against it, though we still do. But that voice of the conscience becomes our own voice inside of us, but it's a voice towards good, towards the will of God. In the epistle today, St. Paul talks about the law written in the hearts of the Gentiles. He says, when the Gentiles who have not the law do by nature what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show the work of the law written on their hearts. While their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or perhaps excuse them on that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. This is a well-known passage. Sadly, for some, this is a passage that says, see, look, they're all guilty. Everyone's guilty. But rather, we should read this seeing the love of God, that he gave us the voice of the conscience, each and every human being, not just Christians, all human beings, have the voice of God inside of them as their own voice. As St. Paul also said in the epistle today, he said, God shows no partiality. He's given this to everyone. No partiality. That means no partiality towards the Christians, no partiality towards the saints, no partiality. God loves everyone exactly the same, and his love is deeper than any love that we could ever imagine. He shows no partiality. And this is why some non-Christians can be so virtuous, because they have a conscience inside of them. They have that voice of God inside of them, even though they may not know God himself. And so they can pursue that. Even Jiminy Cricket, remember he says, let your conscience be your guide. Our conscience given by God blesses us with so many things. It instills a thirst for God. It harmonizes our will with God's will. It teaches us and it leads us along the path toward God. First and foremost, it instills a thirst for God. Our commandrite Seraphim Alexiev says this beautiful thing about that internal voice inside of us. He says, give man everything which he desires and he will enjoy it for a while, but afterwards he'll become indifferent because he feels that something else much more elevated is missing. Is it not in that way that the child too enjoys every new toy until it grows hungry? Then it abandons the toy and looks for food. A certain inextinguishable inner hunger for truth, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit torments our soul and does not give us peace, even among the best pleasures of life and among the most enviable achievements in the world. 
This blessed hunger is a hunger for God. God has given that to us. Do you see? He wants us so badly that he's given within us a hunger for him. A hunger that is totally insatiable except in him. So he instills a thirst for God through our conscience. We desire the good because our nature is good. As Archimandrite Seraphim said, our desire for truth, joy, and peace. We could add to that many more things. Beauty and love and patience and compassion. But our desire for God also always has a negative aspect, a turning away. We can't go, as the, the, the common saying goes, you can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. So in the spiritual life, we can't pursue God to the fullest unless we continue to know more fully the things that we're turning away from, the things that we are repenting of, the things that we no longer desire. In the church, we call this repentance. And one of the great figures of repentance is a saint that we commemorate today, St. Andrew of Crete. He wrote, the, he wrote many hymns and many canons. He actually was the one who invented the form of the canon. And in his greatest work that we know of, which is the great canon of St. Andrew of Crete, which we say during Great Lent, for those of you who've been Orthodox for a while, you know that's the time when we do lots of prostrations. We do it during the first week of Great Lent, and then on the, the uh, fifth week, we do it all in one evening, along with the life of St. Mary. St. Andrew of Crete, he was born in Damascus, and at a young age, at 14, he went and became a monk at St. Salvus Monastery outside of Jerusalem. They lived a very holy life. He was eventually made into a... a deacon, and then an archdeacon, then a priest, and then a bishop in Crete. And that's where he ended his life, was as a, a bishop in Crete. But he wrote this great canon, and this canon is very penitential, very repentant. It's like I'm talking about, if we want to pursue God, we need to see what we're turning away from. And so St. Andrew's canon is, delves very deeply into the ways in which that we have sinned, and desired things other than God, a great awareness of our sins. In the canon, one of the verses says, therefore I am condemned by my own conscience, wretch that I am. St. Paisios talks about on the judgment how we will be judging ourselves. God will reveal to us everything in our life that is sinful, and we'll see all of that and then we'll turn towards whichever direction it may be. That our conscience, in fact, is that thing that is our precursor to our judgment. Now, the canon can sound pretty harsh. If any of you have read through the whole canon of St. Andrew, or here when you're here during the services, it can sound harsh because the more that I strongly that I desire to turn towards God, the more strongly that I'm turning away from those things in my life that have hindered me. And so he speaks in a very strong, a very decisive way against those things in his life that he is turning away from. And also there's this great paradox, which is the more that I repent, the more that I can only see my own sins and not the sins of my brother. And this is that great passage our Lord talks about, the plank and the speck reversed. 
he talks about how we see the speck in another person's eye when we should see the plank in our own eye. And rightly, a person who is holy only sees the plank in their eye, can barely see a little speck in the other person's eye. Another verse from the canon says, When I examine my actions, O Savior, I see that I have gone beyond all men in sins, for I have sinned in knowledge consciously and not in ignorance. Think about it. This is this holy man who's saying he sinned beyond all men. We could say, well, tell us his sins. Let's list them out and see how those compare to a murderer or a horrible person over here. But what he's seeing is he's seeing his conscience recognizes to him that he knew about these things. He knew them and he did them anyway. And that he recognizes in other people their ignorance of their sins. So our conscience once again instills our thirst for God. Our conscience also harmonizes our will with God's. And this is very profound. When you think of harmony between two instruments, if you've ever heard an orchestra that is tuning itself, there's the one voice and then all of the other voices tune themselves to that one voice until they're all in perfect harmony. Inside of ourselves, there is a disharmony. There's a discord. Whenever my conscience speaks, it signifies the disharmony between my will and God's. Right? My conscience is speaking because I just did something bad, did something sinful. And so my conscience is speaking to me. What I just did was my will. I can't deny that. And the voice inside of me is God's will. And so when the two of these become in unity, then there's just one voice and one action, and it's all God's will. This is a long journey, but this is the journey that we travel along. So our conscience helps to harmonize us with God, so that the instrument of our own soul is in harmony with God. The conscience also teaches us. It teaches us how to be in light. It brings the light to us when we're in darkness. It brings us out or we choose instead to remain in the darkness. We're given a choice through the conscience. St. Dorotheos of Gaza, he says, it is in our power either to bury our conscience or to allow it to shine within us and enlighten us through our subordination to it. Because when our conscience tells us to do something and we ignore it, or when it advises us to do something and we don't do it, we burden it or as though bury it so that its voice becomes fainter from the weight on it. Just like it is impossible to see a reflection in muddy water, so do we cease to understand what our conscience says to us when we sin consciously. St. Dorotheos is talking about that dynamic relationship of our conscience either getting quieter or our conscience getting louder, depending on how we respond to our conscience. So often our problem is that our soul is so darkened that we don't hear our conscience. Or even we distort our broken thinking to justify our actions. Again, the canon of St. Andrew says this, With the lusts of passions I have darkened the beauty of my soul. Darkened the beauty of our soul. This is what we do by ignoring our conscience. And this is why Jiminy Cricket's admonition is not sufficient, especially outside of the church. Let your conscience be your guide. Well, that would be nice if my conscience was really loud 
thumping so loudly in my head that that's all that I followed. But how can I let my conscience be my guide when I can't even hear my conscience? Or worse yet, when I distort the distorted voices in my head into imagining that that's my conscience, that I feel justified in doing this action because so-and-so reason. Anyone can think I'm a pretty good person after all. That's the opposite of the canon. You know how I said in the, the canon of St. Andrew, it's I am the worst of all and other people out there, they're ignorant of their sins. But we do the opposite. We say, I'm, I'm okay. I, you know, here are my justifications and reasons for what I'm doing. But those people, look at them and look at all their sin. You see, anyone can think of themselves as a pretty good person. Hitler didn't think he was an evil, horrible person. He had all of his justifications and reasonings. And we could go on throughout history of all the people who did horrible, atrocious things, and they had their justifications. They heard the voice inside their own head, and their conscience was so dulled and buried that they couldn't hear a thing. So our conscience can teach us, but it leads us along the path of salvation to God, ultimately, when we respond to our conscience. And when we respond to it, we make it even louder. When we do good, we become more inclined to do good. And when we sin, then it's still not too late, because when we sin, we have the regret that comes from our conscience. And when we respond to our conscience with repentance, the voice grows inside of us. It's this beautiful little equation within our spiritual life. We do good, and then we're more inclined towards good. But even if we do bad, we hear the voice inside of us and we respond to it in repentance. And by responding to it in repentance, it makes the voice louder. So that next time that same sin that arises in us, the voice will be a little bit louder. And it will be a little harder for us to ignore. And if we still sin then, then we repent again and the voice becomes louder. You see that on and on this continues in our life. So that our conscience becomes so loud so that that's the only desire that we have in our lives. And this, in this way, it brings us towards God. In the gospel, we see the result of that. The gospel today was what? Jesus going and calling the fishermen, and they all do what? They say, okay, and they go and follow him, leaving everything behind, the brothers leaving their father with the boat. And we might look at that and go, wow, he what kind of power did Jesus have over them that they just left their entire life and went and followed him? But it's because they had actually been cultivating their conscience for years. Their souls were prepared and ready so that when our Lord came to them, they said, yes, this is it. This is what I'm to do next. And without a moment's hesitation, left everything behind and followed him. Doing God's will becomes natural because his will becomes our will. This is why St. Paul in his epistles said very clearly, For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be made righteous. It is the doers of the law that become righteous. As we do the will of God, we become more like God because God truly is the only righteous one. And furthermore, St. Paul says at the very beginning of his, his epistle, glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. 
Now, he wasn't wishing that on them. He wasn't saying, I wish that there would be glory and honor and peace on those who do good. He was stating fact. Those who do good receive glory, receive honor, and receive peace. There is a result of our following our conscience. So this is the work of our conscience. It instills a thirst for God. It makes us to harmonize our will with him. It teaches us and it brings us on the path of salvation. Thanks be to God for our conscience. Amen.